0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We have stage 12 of the Vuelta a España brought to you by Zwift, our show partner, as always. For the, I think this is like the Pierre Saint Martin stage where Team Sky absolutely sent it in 2015. Froome and Port went 1 2. There's one categorized climb, it's a Cat 1, and it's steady. 20k six and a half percent yeah some of it's a little bit steeper some of it's not but there's no kilometer over eight point oh, i was one nine percent kilometer but it's really steady um and there's no categorized climbs before it and it's flat before it so two options uh a really soft week break goes because they're flat because the team wants to control but then which team, like a lot of the teams, GC teams are hobbled here, particularly Quick Step, and they have the strongest climbers so far. So a monster break went i rapid-fire through it. Benji will pick out the interesting writers from it. Turnison, Champoussin, Battistello Lutschenko, Zambanini, Fabro, Kelderman, Cathedo, Shaw, Carapaz, Bacalantz, Bevan, Goldstein, Hagen, Oliveira, Rojas, Verraca, Craddock, Brenner, Viderberg, Tiberi, Soler, Oliveira, Palance, Tamino, Vermeche, Vine, Diaz, Canal, Latouria, Jezbert, Osian, Remix that into an LRCP rap.
1: <laughs> what a rap that would be that would be crazy yeah yeah i can imagine already on there with two teammates already a stage win vano with two teammates already a stage win so that's a bit that's a bit of strength in those two areas but that does not mean that they're the all-out winners here either carapaz was in gc the one of the hopefuls for inios but clearly fell out of that so he tried to get in the breakaway today hoping for a stage win, not necessarily to jump up to GC if it's accidentally happening. Then he might be happy with that situation, though. Kallerman with his teammate is also interesting, because Kallerman's only on like 14 minutes in GC here, and he's got a teammate here. He's not really the winning type, so what would his goal be? Is his goal to backdoor away into the top 10, or is he actually looking for that stage win that he's been Hunting for his entire life and only found in time trial. So far, if my mind serves me right, and a GC somewhere in some race. But uh, on a road race, hasn't happened yet. So intriguing phenomenon there. When it comes to water riders in this group, there were quite a few strong ones. Like You would say that Lutsenko is a strong rider, but if I put that guy against a, a Carapaz or a Vine or a Soler, I would say, no, 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 that's not it. But Soler with two teammates, I said. Polans is interesting, though, because... The dynamic we've seen with Soler and breakaways is that he seems to drop earlier on and then come back towards the end. We saw that with the stage that Vine won the last 21, I think stage 8. Soler came back in the final stretch and so forth. So I was expecting Polans to like remain as the strongest on the final climb and then towards the end, Soler to come past. And maybe that might happen, maybe that might not happen. But that was kind of my prediction going into the final climb on this stage. But this breakaway... Solid gap instantly because, like, what is Quickstep going to do? Cavana, like we mentioned it yesterday, it's the only rider that can really do stuff on the flat. They had Fervak in the breakaway for a bit and eventually they ended up pulling him back and that was at an interesting moment. We will talk about the breakaway stuff, continue onwards after this, but I do want to mention this considering it is actually connected to the breakaway. Fervak dropped back and it looked like it was called up. At the exact moment that something happened in the peloton, Remco ended up crashing in a corner, a bend, and it was an interesting thing because it was very similar towards Philippe yesterday in the way that he just slid out. It looked like he was undercutting the corner a bit. I don't know if he braked in the corner or not, but that was suggested by a few. What was your take on the crash itself?
0: It was actually, yeah, really similar. Some spectator footage came out on Twitter of the Philippe crash because we couldn't see really what happened. There was no heli shot on TV. And, yeah, it looked like he ran wide too fast and then tried to straighten up far, too fast and slid out on dusty roads. And something similar happened to Remco. And he uh, landed on his right hip. He tore up his shorts a little bit. He didn't seem to hit his head, shoulders, everything else, legs, knees, fine. Just a little bruise, no blood, I don't think, too much on his right yeah. hip and uh, through the rib shorts. So, yeah, the Viker called back. I think um, maybe a little overreaction, maybe a little bit of panic. <laughs> like I think the idea with Oliveira in the break, with the Viker in the break, was to be satellite riders to help out on the climb itself. I'm not sure the actual plan was for Viker to, to come back no. uh, at that exact point. I just think they said, get back here. Uh, to help chase wilco um everyone was rolling turns in the breakaway really like i don't know it was vine was the short favorite for the stage from that breakaway um but everyone was rolling turns because i guess wilco had a dual gc uh gc ambitions as well but there was an attack But before we get to that reminds you it's the first of september Autumn's here in the Northern Hemisphere. The rain is here in Andorra, and that means indoor season is here. Zwift has just announced a raft of updates landing soon, so there's never been a better time to join or fire up that account. Again, if you pause your subscription over the summer, there are more Pace Partners ever than ever before. And this is a personal favorite, the ability to chase your personal best ghost across segments, a new race series, and even new roads, all landing soon. Plus, with training series like Zwift Academy starting, there's never been a better time to give indoor training a shot. For more information, or to start your free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com through the link down below. But yeah, Stella attacked in the break um, to try and force finds teammates to chase. Finds teammates did chase Tamino and Vermesh on the flat. That's why having teammates is so important. So he doesn't get forced to chase. They got they brought him back and no one else really tried because they just Vermesh the would keep pacing, I think.
1: Yes, and we also gotta mention, like, we spoke about Kellerman a bit so far. We spoke about Kelderman being a rider that is gently moving up in GC, the larger the gap of the breakaway becomes. And because of that Pool crash at a certain point, at like 40-ish kilometers to go, the tempo in the peloton went down a bit as they waited for pool and the break extended to a point where I think they had 11 minutes and 54-ish seconds, if my memory serves me right, which meant that Kellerman not only jumped into the top 10, but was virtually on the podium in second of this VELTA for at least a tiny bit. So... At least he was on the podium for a bit, but we know that on the climb itself, the tempo will increase in the Peloton. So that would only last for X amount of time. But we were certain at that point, right? Like if you're at that point in the race, virtually second, then there's like eight minutes to the end of top 12, for example, then it's very likely that if Keldamon does not suddenly collapse on the final climb, that he ends up in the top 10 of GC, which is a very good move. And you mentioned that before. Would that become an issue when it comes to balancing that with a stage win or not and i guess we'd see on the climb whether he would have issues with that or not but when it comes to that final climb peñas blancas came up and i feel like alpacin controlled that really well for the initial part of the climb
0: the mesh and tamano pacing pretty well um but then really this was a straightforward stage um Fabro goes to the front teammate for kelderman and he, for, for starters, Kelderman's got a good kick. That's why the fact that he hasn't won a World Tour or even any road stage is it, it, like almost statistically impossible because he has a like fucking good 10-second power for a GC guy uphill. Um, so Fabro pacing was good because he just sits in. Everyone sits in. He keeps the gap to the peloton GC safe, and then if we go to the finish, we go to the finish, and I, I back Kelderman, but. Uh, Fabra did his best, kept pacing, eventually pulled off after a lot of riders had dropped. Soler was nowhere, but he was just doing Soler things. He'd taken some tips from Almeida on pacing. Uh, Polance was yo-yoing. Lachenko was gone. Kaithedo and Shaw were gone. We had Vine, Jezbe, not Champessin. Uh Champoussin the big money move. <laughs> not looking, <laughs> maybe, yeah, uh, not looking great. Um, is looking really good. Pollan's there. Vine was there. Kelderman and Carapaz. So Carapaz, we uh, Marco Brenner. I don't do Marco Brenner or Raisha. Marco Brenner. What is he? Is he turned 20 yet? Uh, he just turned 24 days ago. Uh, the German on DSM. He's very, very good. He was there with them. So now is the tricky part, Benji, where Vine is probably people who people are worried about. Fabro's pulled off james bear's attacked and kelderman has gc in the back of his mind and that ends up with what we normally see what we saw in Circuit to get show the spanish little one day wilco pacing
1: <laughs> yeah exactly i feel like when just bear went for that move kelderman was also the one that also closed down just bear but like kelderman the initial response to like attacks that happen against one, I feel like he's on like the biggest gear as possible. <laughs> it's like he's mowing his lawn on his bike for some reason. And then it starts upping the, the the cadence towards their wheel. And it's really interesting to see that. What I did feel like was happening was something similar with Carapaz towards I don't remember, Lizardid then, I think. Uh the stage where Carapaz like faked a bit, that he was like performing an Oscar performance, was pretending that it was completely done. I, fe- I felt like it was kind of that. He was not necessarily showing his hand, which is arguably clever. Did you notice something similar, or am I imagining that?
0: Yeah, Carapaz is just acting as... Like, he... It's ridiculous. Oh, I'll show it in the video <laughs> tonight, but, like, the moment... He's literally... The second before he's attacking, he's, like, grimacing, pretending he's in he's in pain, and then attacks. It's like, Richard, there's a delay from the TV... To the cars, so by the time the cars have seen you faking, you've already attacked in real life, <laughs> so it's completely pointless. But he's just so committed to the bit, uh, you got to respect it. Um, uh, <laughs> just yeah, he's he gets another his second Emmy award or Oscar today after on lose out end. Well, actually, no, he didn't get the award there because he got caught. Uh, but yeah, Wilco got played by El Hagua de Tulcan, Apex Predator. Hasn't had a great welter so far, but you sense weakness. He senses weakness. He strikes, rides away from Kelderman, and beats, and just holds the gap that yep. he initially got. He only wins by nine seconds. I'm not convinced he had necessarily better legs than Wilco today, but he played it for the stage. And that's, we have been speaking about a lot more, like playing for the stage 100% can and often has made the difference in Grand Tour stages this year.
1: Certainly. Now, I also want to shine a light on other people in the background. I think like Michael Brenner, 20 years old, was in the final four riders before Carapaz decided to make his move towards the end. And then Brenner kind of started falling back with being 20 and doing that. We knew this guy was talented. I will be honest. I felt like he stagnated a bit at DSM for a certain period. But this year with his Tour de Swiss performance, I think he was like top 15 of my mind's all right about that. Or was that Burgos? I don't even know. A race this year, a random race this year, top fifteen somewhere, Marco Brenner probably no,
0: he was bad. good before he got COVID, and always oh. no the best race in the history of cycling.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it confirmed both Remco and Vine and not necessarily Plap. So but we, we'll leave that detail and, out just to make sure the statistics and, um, are right, right?
0: Out of his pants, man. Who? Out of Brooks. Jesus Christ. Isn't that the literal oh translation? God. Uh, it depends. Aren't
1: pants like underwear?
0: <laughs> I don't know. No, only in the UK. In Australia, pants means long trousers.
1: Very difficult. All, all these <laughs> countries, you know. Like I don't know. I'm not okay with all these different meanings. Anyway, friend, but... looking good. Exactly. And also next to that, what I what I said at the start of this like thing, Soler and Polans. Polans was the one that held on longer. Soler didn't hold on as long as Polans. And towards the end, while dropping like tenth last rider in the race. Like, he ended up busting everybody and finishing fat. This is so typical, Sir. I don't know what's going on isn't with him. is there it's a like problem he, with that? I don't know. Is that or a barrier that he needs to go to or something before or, he can but, actually...
0: Well, shouldn't Poulence wait... Like, if Poulence waits for Soler and helps him pace, does he make up that time gap? I know it looks like 20 seconds, but we're talking a 20-kilometer, nearly a 50-minute climb. Like... But surely if someone waits and paces with him, Plants paces for him, and Plonce was attacking the group as well at times, does Soler get closer?
1: But can you trust the rider like Soler though? Like, it's weird, huh?
0: Yes. Do you he's have flying. the confidence? He's flying. Yes, in this welter, he's flying.
1: I agree with that aspect, but do you have the confidence with someone that drops ten riders earlier to still make it back? Only with Soler in this velo. like if any other rider does that, I'm like, throw them it's, out.
0: It's different for <laughs> G it's different for GC, like Having a GC rider sacrifice for an Almeida, Almeida. and then Almeida, but but this is Pollence. What what chance does Polans maybe have to win? I know he's a nice rider. He won. Did he win La Yes, he won La But what chance does he have against Vine, Carapaz, and Heldeman? Yeah. It's not so great. So it's that's the trade-off. I'm not sure there's a correct answer. I'm just saying, you know, 2020 hindsight, it might have made uh, might have made <laughs> yeah. a difference. We haven't mentioned Jay Vine we he did really really well before the first rest day up north we're down in a different climate i can't keep emphasizing it more how the changes in climate and weather i really really think they make a huge difference um particularly for someone like a geisher or whoever and I don't know if he was just on and off day, whether he's just tired because he's been doing more than a lot of people, like a Carapaz, like a Kelderman in this race so far. Or they did, I don't know the what's either, uh, but he dropped earlier than expected and was kind of similar to kind of similar to the Tour of Turkey situation. He had salt-crusted shorts, so maybe it's the heat and he's a, he's really good in like 15 to 20 degrees. I don't know.
1: I found it really curious when that happened, that sports commentator was like, well, Vine will need to climb a bit stronger than what he's shown today uh, to get that KOM jersey in this well <laughs> time. I was like, that's a very early assessment of the situation based on this one performance, to be honest.
0: <laughs> no, he still has double the points of Soler. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and there's barely any... Like, yeah... I don't know. I think, as we know, KOM jersey competition has little to do with, pure, like you need to be a good climber-ish, but it's more to do with strategy and targeting it. Than, yes. You know, winning stages is more important than that. But yeah, Carapaz Benji, I guess a, a going away gift for, uh, for Ineos, a nice little bonus for himself, and uh, just a good result. And also, I think... Good that Ineos let him in the break. Or was it like, how if you have your C-Rod hat on, do you do you still? Because we were saying this about Soler. I was saying Soler should be helping Ayuso. And Ineos are thin on the ground too. Sivakov out. They just got Gagan Hart for Rodriguez. I think it's easy to say our he's won the stage. But I really think if you're not in the contest, if you're not in the leader's jersey, I, I do like riders having freedom.
1: I think so as well. I'm relatively similar with you on that opinion. I would, yeah, it would be very different in hindsight if, for example, uh, a Godríguez attacks the GC group today and, and gains a minute. Then you'd ask, okay, what would have happened if Carapaz was there? Would that have helped? Would Carapaz dropping back on the climb as a satellite rider would have helped Godríguez in that situation gain time on certain riders? Yes, it would have, but... In hindsight, from what happens in the GC group, which we'll go through today, that might make a different opinion. But when it comes to GC, let's get to that first and then talk about it. We've got a GC group that is starting the final climb, and we don't have that many quick-step riders in it. We lost Alaphilippe, we lost Seri and so forth. I think there were three quick-step riders at the foot of the climb on fairly certain. The last two that survived were Vervak and Von Wilder. But they were not the ones that were setting tempo at the foot of the climb because Jumbo Visma took it on. Jumbo Visma took it on, and what they did was put Rohan Dennis at the front. They started pacing with Rohan Dennis. And did you feel like that tempo was significant? Because I swear, like, quite a bit of people were dropping.
0: I think the initial Dennis push was pretty firm. Like, it did seem to catch people. Like, Gagan Hart was badly out of position. Um, Moving up, I think Ayuso was in bad position, maybe caught off guard. So I definitely think... Dennis pushed on at a decent pace, probably just having a little look to see how does Rip Short's Remco look um, on this climb. Now, this climb really does suit Avina Consistent gradient, um, long climb, 50-minute efforts is no problem for a guy that's done well in flat world champs, ITT. So it does suit him, but I guess they had a little look. I do think... I, I do think in the end, and then they got Harper to pace quite hard. That was after Dennis had been pacing for a while. Agita looked no good. Uh Ayuso actually looked in a lot Ayuso looked under pressure the entire climb. And he reminds me of Pagatra more and more and more every single day. In that like, even when Pagatcha is sort of under pressure a little bit, like I don't know, the way Paganstra on Planche de Belfi when Vingegaard attacked him, his hunched shoulders, the way he pedals, even when he might not be super dominant, he can like claw back into it. And I don't know, Ayuso reminded me a lot of Pog 2019 today, actually, even more than before. Um, so he was looking good at the end, not so good at the start. I don't know, I feel like Harper put Roglic under a little bit of pressure, Um at the start, and Movistar then called back Oliveira. He then started pacing really, really hard. Or well, I don't know if Mass attacked across to him. Um, I think Mass missed an yeah. opportunity today. I think I went on a big thing on the rest day about how Mass is unfairly criticised. That criticism stems from days like today, <laughs> um, where he sort of he, he'll never a try. He'll never try twice ever. He will. He will try once, half commit, and then settle mm-hmm. in. Um, and, and that's why he gets criticism, uh, playing a little bit conservative. I think he should have tried, I think Musk could have dropped Roglic today and taken back time for second place.
1: I don't know. I simply don't know because like, maybe he's just not that kind of rider that has the ability to attack twice and still the ability to hold on to what happens afterwards. Maybe he doesn't want to be countered. He wants to stick himself on the race just in case. Let's say that even a pool has a bad day on Sierra Nevada in the mind of Moss, for example. And Moss is like, if I can just not get countered, then I'm not being put on even more time in this situation by Remco by the end of this climb. Maybe he's thinking that way. But I agree with you that he would probably be better off focusing on trying to get a one-up on Roglic instead. And whether that's by doing that second attack or not, I actually don't know. I I do agree that it's probably the reason that he gets criticism, but... I also never considered Maz the rider that is the attacking type on climbs. I swear even if Vuelta that he podiumed in 2019 is my guess, he ended up podiuming that by attacking a group that was looking at each other on stage 20, if I recall correctly. And those were the moments that Maz benefited from. He attacked, I think those were the moments where he attacked more times where the group didn't continue setting a pace, where the group kind of stands still for a second, looks at each other, and that's where he tried to benefit from. And I think if a situation like that happened a bit later, it would have potentially occurred again. But w- w- what happened after like Maz went to Oliveira's wheel? Oliveira just kept pacing, right? For a while?
0: Well, Maz did, he made a mistake as well, where he left Oliveira's wheel and said, mm-hmm. you close it. And every, all the other GC contenders looked at him like, why would we, why would we <laughs> yeah. care? And then Lopez attacked him and then Mars had to close Lopez and I was like that was a complete waste of time like what are you doing <laughs> um so I don't I don't know then Gagan Hart came back and he started pacing for Rodriguez then through a hairpin Rodriguez attacked the group Ayuso is there with Evenepoel looking by the way the entire time of the this climb he looked completely comfortable and in no problem um they have Evenepoel Mas, Ayuso, Almeida's yo-yoing, but he would eventually get dropped. And Roglic, Roglic is looking, uh, I would say, okay, but on the limit. Like, he, I think one big attack could have been been trouble for him, but there was a bit of stop and start, which helped him. Lopez looked all right until the end. And, yeah, Rodriguez attacked, had the group on his wheel. No one counted him. Um, he stopped. And then Avanopol just started pacing to the finish. And then Rodriguez lost eleven seconds in the last hundred meters. It happened the other day. He lost thirteen seconds to the group the other day. He seemed to I don't know. He just doesn't have that finishing burst at the end, because Avanopol wound it up at the end. And Ayuso, this is what I'm saying, like Pog, like he just Ayuso just holds on into that group and just keeps the draft. So Evan Hall finishing with a must. Robert Chayuso, Lopez on six seconds, Rodriguez on 11 seconds. Gegenhart very good. I do wonder if he might have attacked to see who chases him and take back time because I do think a two-leader strategy for Enios. If Carlos isn't stronger than the other guys fighting for top five, then you need something more than just pacing. You need he needs something else, um, but yeah. GC big shakeups in the sixth to the 10th region. Even if all same gaps to Roglic, uh, 241 to him, 303 to Mass. Rodriguez loses a little bit, he's on 406, 453. Ayuso knocking on the door. Kelderman moves from 21st to 6th <laughs> on 628. Lopez is on 656. Almeida drops down two to he's on 718. Poulence, <laughs> he's in the top 10. He's on eight minutes. Yeah. Gegenhart moves down two on <laughs> 8.05. O'Connor had not a great day, I don't think. He lost a minute or so, 55 seconds. Hindley lost 90 seconds, finishing with uh, Valverde. So not a great day uh, for him. But what does that mean for GC, Benji?
1: I think a lot when it comes to a team that you probably wouldn't expect me mentioning right now. And this is something that we've looked at yesterday when it comes to Higuita trying to go in the breakaway, Kaldeman trying to go in the breakaway, for Bora to try and get into that top 10. I think there's another team that is perfectly situated with three riders in the top 20 on 11 minutes, 13 minutes, and 14 minutes. And that is EF Education first. You can bet that they will try and get in the breakaway, gain 10 minutes, and one of them will end up on the top 10. I 100% bet you, like... They are, like, perfectly situated in GC to do that, right?
0: They have to for the points. They need multiple guys. Even to go ninth or 11th, like Uran and McCarthy yeah. they have to um, go for that. And they've been... Who they got? Even Padun. Like, Padun, yep. if, if he stays with GC group, if he just stays with them on Sierra Nevada, he'll move into the top 10 by default and won't... Because the third <laughs> week is so soft. So... I think Uran and Paduan look like. I think Paduan will do better than Uran on Sierra Nevada, but it's hot and Paduan doesn't do so well there. Yeah, it's. There's the relegation stuff in play as well. Bike exchange now no longer have Yates, so it's pretty much just EF fighting for that. Um, I don't know. It's. Movistar? Movistar, but oh, they just hang and have Mass do his best. Yeah. Like they don't have multiple. And he won't be able to get in a breakaway. Well, um,
1: Verde is. Falling, Okay. He's now 17 instead of like 13. So, they're losing I do know spots why they voverting. got him to pace.
0: Did they get him to pace? I don't remember. Uh, balla should fight uh, for 10th.
1: Possibly. Maybe try and get in the breakaway in a similar fashion we just mentioned for Yef. You don't know that might lead to a satellite rider role if Maz ends up dropping people behind. You never know that. You can always consider that on the go then, if you got Volverni in the breakaway. I don't want to mention, a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter, and I think we spoke about it today in our chat as well, Patrick, that Rodriguez is wearing the Spanish jersey, the National Championship jersey. A user is wearing the white jersey. Now, I went into an in-depth investigation. Basically, I just asked Twitter, guys... What is this? Why is he wearing not the white jersey, but a Spanish jersey, despite being second in the UF classification? Because Remco's first, but is wearing red, so he can't wear white. Second is Carlos Rodriguez, but he's Spanish champion. And apparently the rules actually mention that specific thing. They say that in a situation that a second rider, well, the first rider like Remco has the red jersey, then he can't wear white. The second rider will have his world or national champion jersey prevail over the youth jersey. And apparently, according to the UCI rules, that is a must. On stage nine, Rodriguez was wearing white. And I'll be honest, my guess is that that's a mistake from the organizers. <laughs> because according to the UCI rules, how I read them, he should not be wearing white. And like today, a user should be wearing white, as simple as that.
0: It'd be funny if Ayuso drops down and then Rodriguez starts wearing the white jersey again, where the organisers were just like, hold on, how about we have a Spanish national champ jersey and a Spanish youngster in the white jersey? We'll double stack it. Why would we hide the Spanish national champ's jersey? Um, I don't know. But Rodriguez and Ayuso, it's looking good. Rodriguez is looking good for Sierra Nevada, but we have Pandera before then. But before even then, we have... I don't know. I I was going to call it an interesting stage, but it it might not be. (laughs) It's from Ronda to Montilla tomorrow, and it's 169 kilometers long. There's no categorized climbs, but it's not a pure sprinter's day by any stretch. It's up and down Rolly all day. There's a bonus skate with an intermediate sprint on the top of a short little hill with about 15 kilometers to go. The final ramp, I believe is 700 metres at 5%, uh, or that's before the final ramp. I need to check the the final exactly. I think Mads Pedersen, I think Trek have to go all in for him tomorrow. This is easier, in my opinion, than the LaGuardia Stage 4 finish, which was 900 metres, 8.4%. This has a little flat section um, sort of before the final punch. I really think... They have to go for Pedersen tomorrow. And I think that might benefit Roglic. Roglic might take some seconds uh, some seconds on Mars and others tomorrow. But who else will pace? Is it too hard for, for Groves? There's also the issue, I think Scottson
1: is out as well. I don't think it was COVID-related based on what I read in the tweet, but he was just feeling ill. So that's an extra rider for Bike Exchange that's not going to be pacing in this Peloton, so they might want to keep people towards the end. I don't know. I like seven years ago, I would have said Valverde, but that's not the case anymore. Like he, on paper, doesn't have that punch anymore. Degenkolb will try if he's there in that group, but he doesn't have the teammates to pay. I'd think. I don't expect DSM to throw everything on the table for Degenkolb on this finish. Is at least what I'd say. UAE doesn't have the riders to pace because they're focusing on 10 GC riders at the same time because Polans is now also in the top 10. Um, Alpesin, now that finish is on paper too hard for him in my eyes. Lotto Soudal doesn't have anything.
0: Do want to get in the break with Fred Wright and Louis Leon or go for the, yeah. from the GC group?
1: Yeah. I think there's a... A thing to be said about the breakaway on this stage, actually. I just It's very difficult to predict, you know. We might just end up with like three riders from uh, continental Spanish teams and would be easily controllable. But if that's not the case, if it's a bigger break with more people trying to actually get something out of the stage from the breakaway, then it changes something. And I think a, a confidence with Kokar might be interesting on a finish like this if he was in the form that he was before the Tour de France. And that's the bummer now because I haven't seen that in recent days. What would happen if Pedersen's in the breakaway and it takes track away to pace? Do they automatically make sure the break wins by doing that?
0: I think the only other team that might pace would be FDJ with Pascher. I, I don't see Jumbo Visma pacing with Dennis all day for this, for maybe some bonus. I don't know. It's a lot of effort. Maybe 10 seconds. He's only got 20 on mass. Could be decisive if he wins it. But yeah, Pedersen, I think, is the A1 favorite for it, Haters out. This would have been a hater stage. Uh, would any Aussie run for him? Maybe not. Fred Wright will be looking to break his sort of break his bogey. Um, I would like to see McNulty getting a break with uh, with Soler again. I think McNulty on these rolling hills. If they work people over, he's really really hard <laughs> to bring back. If he goes long, so McNulty as well from the break would be someone I'd be looking at. But his legs haven't haven't looked uh, as good, but I'm going to go with, um, has he done? I just want to check he's done well this year. First, I'm going to go with Rudy (laughs) Millard from the break and probably maybe Pedersen from the GCC group.
1: Very possible. I'm going to go with Fred Wright from the breakaway and I'm going to put all my eggs in the breakaway basket just to be disappointed tomorrow when the Peloton ends up winning. But while we predicted this, I do want to give some credit to a rider that attacked today, and we did not mention him in the actual recap of the stage. Daniel Navarro, and he's a guy that rides for Burgos now, but he's actually got a big history because in 2012, he was riding for Saxo Bank, the team that Alberto Contador was leader at. Eventually that year, he also got suspended, if my mind served me right, for the uh, stake gate. And... I think Navarro was a super domestique for like multiple years. And I was shocked to, to see him attack and still be there today. Just wanted to mention that. It was like, you've got that scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi says, it's a name I haven't heard in a long time. That was exactly my reaction to Daniel Navarro attacking at this moment. So yeah, just wanted to give that extra to this stage. I don't know why I wanted to say it.
0: <laughs> 39 years old. He topped in the tour in 2013. So yeah, still going. with with Burgos, who haven't really got much out of this uh, race yet. But, yeah, Fred Wright, I don't know, tricky stage tomorrow to call because it might all land on Trek and Nagita's not been looking good, not expecting huge GC gaps. Thanks for listening, as always, and uh, we'll see you with the recap of the stage tomorrow. Ciao.